You know, and all the prophets prophesied, saying, Go up and prosper, the Lord will deliver it in your hand. And they finally bring Micaiah before them. And, and, um, and he's, Micaiah is even encouraged by one of the prophets to agree with the other false prophets. And Micaiah said this wonderful thing, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. That seems very normal and natural. That seems like the thing that any prophet should say, because otherwise you're a false prophet. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The assistants of King Ahab tried to persuade Micaiah to speak in agreement with the 400 other prophets. Micaiah assured him that he would simply repeat what God said to him. Micaiah was challenged to tell the truth, and now he changed his tone from mocking to serious. He said that not only would Israel be defeated, but also that their leader would perish. King Ahab said that he wanted the truth, but he couldn't handle the truth. What he didn't consider was that though Micaiah prophesied evil towards Ahab, he prophesied truth. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues with chapter 22 in the book of 1 Kings. And the king, do not associate with those who are given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin of those two can bring. And this word, I love this when it says, do not associate with those given to change. This word in the, in the, um, in the original language in Hebrew, it literally means to change or alter one's disguise. And doesn't that sound familiar with what, what, what would just happen with Ahab in battle? What did he do? He disguised himself. He was willing to be the chameleon. He was willing to do anything he could to slip out from underneath this judgment that God had passed on. He thought that he could elude God's prophecy. God knew what was going to happen. And he even tried to disguise himself. And Jehoshaphat, I mean, what was he thinking? They're going to come after the king, right? <laughs> And, and, and now the only one wearing the kingly robes is the guy who was innocent, who was actually a pretty decent guy. And Ahab says, hey, I'm going to disguise myself and put myself in armor like everybody else, but you wear the robes and the kingly robes. <laughs> okay. And he does. And he almost, it almost cost him his life, didn't it? It almost, yet God, but God intervened. I love it. In Proverbs 17, verse 11, it says, An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. And isn't that what happened? In the, as as they, uh, the scripture here peels back the, the, the supernatural veil and we see the very throne room of God. Isn't that exactly what happened? A cruel messenger will be sent against him. Yes, a cruel messenger, an evil spirit, is going to intervene and take control of the minds of all of the prophets that Ahab had on his payroll. And they all prophesied the same thing because they were all under the same delusion. But one guy, Micaiah, was not one of those people. 
So Ahab was an evil man, although he did have seeds of humility in his heart. And his wife Jezebel, she was a devil worshiper. Yes, she was a devil worshiper because any, any God, lowercase g, that is worshipped in the world other than God himself is the power behind that God, lowercase g, is a demonic entity. Yes, and let me just go on record and say Allah is a demon. Those who, who worship Buddha, it's, an, it's a devil. Those who follow the Jehovah's Witness that, that believe that God is, that Jesus is not the Son of God, that He's not God in the flesh, the spirit behind that, re, that religion is demonic because it keeps you away from Jesus. And there are even some Protestant churches that are teaching whacked out things that are not found in the Bible that are also the same. How important is the Word of God? How important is it for us to study it and to understand the nature of God and the heart of God? Isn't it written for our nurture and our admonition? Isn't it here for us to grow by? And yes, it does offend us. And the old nature needs to be offended. Because <laughs> if it doesn't offend me, then I, don't, then I don't realize how sick I am. And if, I'm not, if I don't realize how sick I am, then why am I going to need a, a, a physician and who is the grand and divine physician? Jesus, because we were all sick. I was sick. I was dying in my sin, and the Lord saved my soul when I wasn't even looking for him. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe that's happened to you. But the writing was on the wall for Ahab, and, and we shall see, because he, he wasn't obedient. And Jehoshaphat would also be warned and rebuked of God for engaging with Ahab. In Second Chronicles 19, this is what God tells him. After this battle that we just read, God comes to him, uh, a man by the name of Hanani, uh, Yehu, I'm sorry, the son of Hanani the seer, who was basically a prophet. He comes to Jehoshaphat after this whole thing is over with. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely from this battle to his own house. This is recorded in Second Chronicles 19, the first three verses. And, and Yehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him, and he said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Question mark? Exclamation point? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, Jehoshaphat, and that you have removed the wooden images from the land, the, the images of Asherah, the, the wooden uh, symbols that they would worship from the land, and you've prepared your heart to seek God, but you've done a really bad thing. And God rebukes him for it. And does God rebuke him because he hates him? No, he rebukes him because he loves him. Why did our parents you know, bring uh, judgment upon us, you know. Maybe, maybe they did a little too much, you know. But, you know, so we, we were chastened as children because our parents loved us, hopefully. I mean, some went over the edge and they had issues and problems and maybe even alcohol issues and people were beaten a little longer than they should have been. But you know what? I had the belt come after me many times when I was little. And I tell you right now, I am so glad my mother didn't listen to my whimpering and my crying. She loved me dearly, and she still does, but you know what? She knew that I couldn't continue 
like nothing has happened. I had to be disciplined. And yes, it was painful, and I learned a great deal. I don't know about you, but I really learn from pain. I learn really quickly in pain, and I actually like it that way. I'd much prefer, if I'm going in a wrong direction, Lord, just wake me up in the middle of the night and give me a terror. (laughs) If I'm doing something wrong, if I'm going in the wrong direction, Lord, you intervene and just shake my cage. I want that. I don't want to go against him. I don't even want my own emotions to go against him. I want, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? I want to do that thing because I know that in that is the place of blessedness. I know that in obedience to your word, regardless, I'm going to be blessed. And in the end, I'm going to look back and go, wow, I can't believe you did that. You did that through me? He's like, yeah, and you didn't even want to do it. But I first made you willing, and then you did it. Notice that? He doesn't make you do something you're not willing. God has a wonderful way of changing your heart before he dispatches you to do whatever it is. So that your, your, your life, you're like, I, I, I'm going to die if I don't do this. And people have that kind of relationship. Do you want that kind of relationship with the Lord when he gives you something to do? It's like a fire burning in your heart. And you're like, God, I want to do it. I don't care what has to happen. I don't care if I offend everybody on the planet, including my spouse, including my family. If you call me to do it, I'm going to do it. God wants a person like that. And if you have a spouse that loves the Lord, they're going to, say, they're going to be cheerleading you and maybe even going along with you and say, I know it's true and I've got the same heart and I'm with you in it. Oh, what a blessing when that happens. So in verse 5, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire of the word of the Lord today. So Jehoshaphat is very smart. He's thinking, you know, we better go before the Lord, go before Jehovah before we embark on this battle. And the king of Israel gathered the prophets. Now these prophets, these 400 prophets, these were normal prophets. These weren't prophets of Baal. Remember, Elijah executed those 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. That that was already a, 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 a not so distant uh, event in the life of Israel, but now he's got 400 men who are prophets, but they're on his payroll, and because they're on Ahab's payroll, they want to tell him and prophesy good things. Is the Lord angry with me today? No, the Lord loves you. You've done everything right. Thank you very much. You're the best king. May you live forever. But what about what I did yesterday, how I did that evil thing? The Lord forgives you, even though you haven't confessed. Let's not talk about that. But, you know, he really, really is delighted in you, and you're just the best. And he's going to bless you, man. Whatever you want, he's going to write the check. (laughs) And that's what these guys were. Yes, men. They were men pleasers. They were on the payroll. And Jehoshaphat said, is there still not a prophet of the Lord? Even Jehoshaphat had discernment enough to know that these 400 prophets were not on the up and up. And finally, you know, notice that um, in this strange confederacy that they have, he, he finally picks up, you know, Jehoshaphat picks up, these guys aren't really the Lord's prophets. What does it tell us in Amos 3, verse 3? It says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? They don't have the same spirit. Two totally different men. Can they walk together and be agreed? Well, they really shouldn't be walking together because they certainly aren't agreeing. And neither should they. And then the king said of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man, this Micaiah. Ugh. 
emphasis mine, obviously. The son of Imlab, whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. And yet it was true. He prophesied evil against Ahab because Ahab was evil. He needed to be corrected, but he wasn't willing to be corrected. He was obstinate and disobedient, and God had to break him. I desire to be broken. And the Lord's been doing a work. Has he been doing it in your life too? I really... Whether I like it or not, God is breaking me. I'm not saying I've been broken. I I, I could say that, but I can also say, yes, he's broken me, but he's breaking me. And ultimately, he will break me. Because I need this old, nasty rascal of this old nature to be submitted to him with all of my heart. And unless I'm broken like some some kind of stallion that just needs to be broken. Have you ever seen a stallion who's a wild stallion and some cowboy to come and, and get this horse under control to finally where he could put the saddle on it and get on it and the horse is normal and, and acts like a horse that we see acts? The horse has to be broken. It has to know who the master is and who he isn't. And see, happy is the man, happy is the Christian man or woman who breaks. Didn't David say that? A broken spirit. Somebody who's broken is great in the hand of God. And I love that Ahab wasn't even trying to disguise his feeling about Micaiah. There was no filter. He wasn't going, no, he's really a good guy. No, he's like, I hate the guy. I can't stand him. He never says anything good about me. And isn't it true that often the things that we don't want to hear and the person who we don't like, that usually has, they usually have the best thing for us. Or it's possible that they may have something to say to us, even though we don't like the message, we don't like the messenger, but the message itself could be the thing that God wants us to hear. Are you open to hear a message that you don't want from a person you don't like so that God can reach you? He often will do that. And the truth hurts, doesn't it? It does. It hurts. The truth can hurt. And that's why we need to abide in the Lord and understand that the Lord can use anyone to speak. And if we aren't listening to the Lord ourselves, he may send someone to tell us. Then the king of Israel quickly called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah. And so Micaiah comes, and, and, and he basically uh, comes and... Um, you know, and all the prophets prophesied, saying, Go up and prosper. The Lord will deliver your hand. And they finally bring Micaiah before them. And, and, um, and he's, Micaiah is even encouraged by one of the prophets to agree with the other false prophets. And Micaiah said this wonderful thing, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. That seems very normal and natural. That seems like the thing that any prophet should say, because otherwise you're a false prophet. And I love this. And so the king came to him and said, Micaiah, and you can almost hear the indignation in his voice, looking at him kind of narrowly and, and saying, shall we go to war with Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And Micaiah says, yeah, go and prosper. The Lord be with you. It's going to be great. Just, just do it. In fact, if you go now before noon, you can catch him by surprise. Just go now. God's with you. That's basically what he said. He was jesting. 
And so then the king said, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And so then he said, I saw Israel. Now he gives them the true message that Ahab needs to hear. I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master, and let each one return to his own house in peace. We're not doing very good on time. And the king said, verse 18, Did not I tell you that he would not prophesy good but evil? And then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne of heaven. And this is where it gets really interesting. And just bear with me tonight. uh, Because now we peel back the supernatural veil. And now the, the, the Micaiah gives us this supernatural scene. And this is really remarkable. He said, Hear the word, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And God says, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall? See, God knew that Ahab was going to fall. Who's going to go tell him, persuade Ahab to go up? And the, the, to the intent that God would have this man put to death for what he truly desired. Because he wasn't listening. God knew that in the counsels of his own heart. Was it his. His desire to see Ahab pass from the scene? No, it wasn't. The Bible says that he does not delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, but he will allow the wicked to be put to death if the wicked refuse to listen to God. He says, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another one spoke. And then a spirit came forward, we assume an evil spirit, and we'll look at that here really quickly, came forward and stood before the Lord and says, I'll persuade him. And the Lord says, in what way? And he says, I will go and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the Lord says, you shall persuade him, and also, you shall prevail. So go and do so. Go out and do so. Now that sounds really weird, doesn't it? But it's not so strange. When we looked at Job, remember in the first chapter of Job? In verse 6, remember what happened in the heavenly scene? Again, we're, we're, we're getting a picture of the supernatural now. In Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, the angels, came to present themselves before Jehovah, and Satan also, what? Satan is able to approach God in heaven? Yeah. And guess what? He's still doing it today. He has to go before the Lord before he's allowed to do anything. That's what the Bible says. And it says, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? But there's none like him on the earth. A blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan answered the Lord and says, Does Job, does Job, Job, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased. In the land, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord says, Give it a shot. Now, what advantage did God have? He knew Job, he knew his servant. And this may be hard for you to understand, but I know that there are times when Satan will go before the throne and say, I want to destroy this man. I want to do this. I want to do that. And God will say, oh, you do, huh? Well, 
Well, I tell you what, you can do this, but you can't cross this line. That's your boundary. And guess what? He must obey because God is all-powerful. Remember, Satan is a created being. He's not, a, uh, he's not equal with God. He's not even equal with Jesus because Jesus is God. And what does it say? And, and, he, and he says, and, and so the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. You can take away all of his possessions. You can kill all of his kids. You can take away his house. You can burn up his livestock. But you can't lay a hand on him personally. And Satan says, Great. I'm happy to do that, Satan says. Because I'm just bent on destroying the thing that you love, God. <laughs> and that, that's the heart of Satan. Even if he has a boundary, he's happy to destroy. He's happy to destroy anything that God loves. But now, notice in Job chapter 2, it says again, verse 1 of Job 2, Again there was a day when the sons of God had present themselves before the Lord, Satan also coming among them to present before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Satan answered and says, From going to and fro and from the earth and walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes. All that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to his face. And the Lord says, Behold, he's in your hand, but you can't kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of the foot of his head to the crown of his foot. And he, and he, he took for himself a pot shirt, Job did, in which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. It was so painful. And why do I bring this up? Because there is this uh, evil entity, Satan, our adversary. And as these angels are presenting themselves, one says, I'll do it, I'll persuade him. I'll be a lying spirit. And the Lord says, okay. These people, these angels, these demons, they are on a leash. Do you see that? They can't just do anything. They're, they're not like individual agents do, doing their own will. They have to go before God to say, God, or Jehovah, I want to do this. And God, for purposes that we can't understand. And doesn't he use this stuff to refine us? Doesn't he use these things to get us to... And sometimes it makes people bitter. Sometimes it makes them better. But we won't know where we are gonna, what we're going to do until we are in the situation ourselves. There's something about the trial of affliction that brings out either the worst in us or the best in us. In God's heart, his desire is for it to bring the best out in us. But Satan is always hoping because he doesn't know the mind of God. God is omniscient. He knows all things. But Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. So God knows that he's going to do all those things to Job. He's going to allow it to happen. But at the end, Job is going to say, I used to hear you, but now I see you with my own eyes. Now I get it. And the Lord restored Job double of all that he had. And that's a true story, folks. That's not just some kind of, you know, Godly parable. Jesus spoke of Job as a real person. This is a real person. This really happened to him. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.